Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Taylor Vipless and EJ Wilson for the weekly Ask Taylor and EJ show. Guys, before we actually dive into the questions, you know, what, what's your guys' kind of thoughts on the bye week? And what's your level of excitement about the upcoming Virginia Tech game? Taylor, let's start with you for that one. My overall thoughts on the bye week, it's, you know, sometimes it's good to kind of get away from football. And, you know, when you're not focusing on an opponent and you kind of just work on the fundamentals, kind of like what Coach Fedora was saying. And then, yeah, it's another football game. So I'm excited for it. I'm actually coming to Chapel Hill for the game. Uh, Once I saw it was a night game. Uh, I wanted to get over to Chapel Hill, you know, before the weather starts to get um, pretty cold. So it's looking like it's going to be a great day weather-wise, and uh, hopefully the atmosphere and the game kind of lives up to uh, expectations. All right. How about you, EJ? I definitely the, the bye week's always a good thing. I mean, I, I definitely think uh, at this point in the season, it's time for a, a lot of looking and, and pointing the finger at themselves with this team. I think that they're still struggling to find the identity of who they want to be uh, on a week-to-week basis. Uh, so I, th- I definitely think it's good that they have some time off, uh, like Taylor said, and didn't have to focus on an opponent. And, uh, of course, I'm I'm, I'm excited about uh, the game Saturday. Uh, I work with a lot of Virginia Tech alum, uh, so I've kind of been been talking trash. Uh, I, I don't – I really don't have any ground to stand on, but uh, I'm going to support my boys anyway. So uh, I'm definitely uh, excited about uh, coming down to Chapel Hill and uh, seeing a good game, hopefully. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the questions. And the first one is, guys, what do you think about a a nighttime atmosphere? EJ, the question was kind of aimed for you guys when y'all had that Thursday night game. And then for Taylor, when you guys had zero dark Thursday for the night game. And specifically, EJ... Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on the hit that the the kick returner or no the the punter um Shalik, whenever he like tackled that guy on, the, on that Thursday mm-hmm. night um what was your thoughts seeing that hit and then overall what was the atmosphere like on that Thursday night so Thursday night games are always amazing especially uh being a part of the team that actually played the first Thursday night game in uh, Chapel Hill when we played Florida State I mean it was a great atmosphere it, it, it was one of the best one of the best feelings, one of the best moments of my life. Uh, of course, we lost the game, but I mean, I can still look back at that now. It was a great experience. But I'll probably say the most memorable victory in my Carolina history would be the Thursday night game against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Uh, it was my senior year. It just happened to be the uh, day after my birthday. Uh, I had actually, I hadn't been practicing all week because I had a, a growing injury. And, and I, had a, I had a really good game, but just to, to be in the atmosphere and to play at night, you know, you, you know, you're a primetime game. Uh, like Coach Davis used to say, you know, the blimp is in the sky. 
and uh, you're usually playing a, against a good high-quality opponent. And I think that this will be a good game for the guys to, to try to redeem themselves or at least, uh, like I said earlier, just try to find some kind of identity. Oh, and as far as the hit, <laughs> I forgot about that. So as far as the hit, it was crazy. I mean, Grant Grant's a huge guy. I mean, he's like, well, I think he was like 6'4". So uh, for him to chase that guy down and lay him out on the sideline, I think that really kind of it really kind of boosted the momentum in the way that we're already riding. We knew that we had to come out and uh, establish establish ourselves and be physical with Virginia Tech uh, at home on Thursday night. So um, that hit really kind of swung the momentum in our favor even more. All right, and then Taylor, what about you with that zero dark Thursday? You've talked about it a couple times now, but just like overall, is there any other type of game experience? that rivals that one as far as being a home game in front of the UNC crowd? That was the first game. I mentioned it before, but that was the first game that I dressed out for. So that one sticks out to me um, kind of in particular for my three years with the Carolina football team. It's just the, the night game. Like when you're growing up as a kid, you're, you're dreaming about playing like these night games in front of big crowds and big atmospheres and then the Thursday aspect of it, it was just like there's a ton of games on Saturdays, but there's like very few games on Thursday. You're playing in prime time on ESPN. They brought out the black jerseys. Um, it was it was just everything positive. And I actually just watched that uh, Grant Shalek tackle because my Carolina football knowledge started in uh, like when I got to UNC in 2012. That was, that was a pretty big hit. Oh. Anytime the specialists make a tackle, it always kind of gets the team fired up. Like I remember um, Nick Weiler in particular, he was like, he was basically like a lot of the times I feel like these kickoff units and these punt units, they have 10 really good tacklers. And then the kicker's just out there or the kicker or the punter's out there just to, you know, try to flip the field. But Nick Weiler, he was basically another tackler who just happened to be able to kick the ball really well. So this, whenever you see the specialists get tackles, especially with, you know, they're barely doing anything at practice, um, you know, besides kicking. So whenever they make a play, it's always a, a party on the sideline. Well, in terms of like getting the, the team kind of, you know, really energized and pumped up for the game, you know, what's your guys' thoughts on uniforms? And if there's like a certain quote-unquote whiteout or blackout because uh, that was the the next question is, do you guys think that those type of things, maybe like a special helmet, the new jerseys, the fans having really a specific thing that they're going to roll out, does that have any sort of spark that it can provide to to the team? Taylor, let's get your perspective first on that one. I think it could provide a spark. You know, you always want your team at 100%. You don't want them getting too high or too low for the games. But, you know, sometimes these are still kids and they could have their moments where they kind of fall and in, fall into these lulls. So it's just an it's just an added benefit to playing at a school like North Carolina and being represented by the Jordan brand and knowing that there's going to be these cool opportunities. Like I remember they didn't tell anybody about the chrome helmets and it went from, you know, once we were out in warmups, everybody was like getting really excited for the game. And then once we saw like the chrome helmets in the lockers, when we came back, it kind of like flipped a switch for everybody. But like, okay, now we're definitely going to go out because we don't want to lose on TV with these helmets. And everybody's going to be talking about how good these helmets look. So we might as well make sure we win in them. 
All right. Now, EJ, when you were at Carolina, did they roll out the Navy jerseys for you guys at some point or, uh, or did that happen afterwards? Because I'm trying to recall if you guys ever had like a, a uniform change during your time with the Heels. Yeah, we debuted the Navy jerseys uh, against Georgia Tech um, during the I think it was the first year. I think it was the first or second year of that uh, offense that they run. Uh, I mean, it was a big boost to us. I mean, we we kind of found out we we found out uh, during our pregame like it, it was another surprise to us. And I mean, like we we only heard rumors that we had Navy uniforms, and so to go out and 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 really be like the first like to to play in those Navy uniforms after not really having any type of variation in the uniforms before. I mean, just adding for us, even adding that Navy blue back into the uniform was a big deal. I know here recently the the uniforms have been way more imaginative and, and uh, creative, but it definitely gave us a boost. Uh, it, it made you, it just made you feel different. And I, I mean, it, it kind of gave you a different swagger. I mean, it, it's so I, I definitely think that it impacts how the team feels. It just gives you an extra boost of confidence knowing that that you look good out there on the field. And then what about from the fans specifically? Do you, did you guys think that, you know, if there was that zero dark Thursday where everyone wore black or EJ, I know when you guys think there was like a whiteout game for y'all, seeing the, cl- the crowd in unison in some sort of color, did that have any sort of impact on the team? Um, from what I remember, I don't remember thinking anything of it when, you know, the fans were all wearing black or when I played there and we had a whiteout against Virginia Tech. It's not something you really notice as um, as a player on the sideline. What you do notice, though, is, you know, the atmospheres in the, those games and not what people were wearing, but they were getting loud and they were they were cheering the team no matter what was happening not just reacting when a play because a lot of the times I think that's kind of the difference between a normal Carolina fan compared to you know say uh, somebody from an SEC school where you know they're cheering constantly throughout the game where I think Carolina fans uh, as a whole can get quiet at times but then um, you know they kind of raise up after a big play so I don't really remember the crowd wearing all black or wearing all white in the whiteouts as much as how much noise they were making in those games. I would have to agree with Taylor. I think the fact that I think the themes are are more for the fans than they are for the players. I mean, I mean, for us, I mean, most of the time it's just a variation of of uniforms we already worn. So it's not really anything new. I think that it's more of something for the fans to, like Taylor said, to kind of give them something to cheer about all during the game. I mean, the fans are going to be more hyped up if they think that this game is a, or you give them a reason to assume that this game is a special occasion. So um, it's definitely about the atmosphere. I mean, I, I'm a, I've always been a fan of theme games because, I mean, if the crowd's more pumped up, we're going to feel it more. When we make plays, whether we're not making plays, we're always going to have that crowd behind us, and it's, that's going to be an extra added advantage for us. So I'm a big fan of theme games, but I wouldn't say that I necessarily noticed the the color the fans are wearing. It's more about about what they sound like and the in the energy that I get from them. Guys, let's take a quick commercial break to talk about Jersey Mike subs of Chapel Hill. For all those listening, a new Jersey Mike store is opening on the south side of Chapel Hill in Chatham County, and it actually by the time everyone is listening to this podcast, it will have already opened because their opening day was Wednesday, October the 10th. And that new store is at the Chatham Crossing at the Lowe's Food Shopping Center. It's only a 12-minute drive from the heart of Chapel Hill, right down 15501. And it's on the way for anyone coming to Chapel Hill from from Larenburg, Pinehurst, Southern Pines, Sanford, or Pittsburgh. 
Better remember, all fall, Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill has partnered with the Inside Carolina podcast to offer a great deal for our listeners. All you need to know is the code HEELS15 to get 15% off of your whole order. This is an online promotion only, and this is how it works. You go to jerseymikes.com, you click order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter that code HEELS15 and get 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and you're on your way. Do it today. Place an, an online order at one of the four Chapel Hill and Hillsboro locations, and also now at the location in Chatham County. It's a super easy process. Just just remember the code HEELS15. And also, looks for Jersey Mike subs inside of Keene Stadium and with the tailgate guys this fall. So support the IC podcast and get that 15% off of your Jersey Mike's order. It's a win-win. So guys, turning a little bit to the bye week now, uh, we had a couple of different questions about that. And let's start with this one where they asked, do you guys think that the football mentality of the players is the same during a bye week? And do you think that players should be using that time to relax and take their mind off of things? Or do you think that they should be, uh, or do you think that they should be putting in extra time to work? And this is kind of done in the in the context of everything that the town of Chapel Hill has to offer. So everyone knows that Franklin Street is a pretty fun place to hang out at night. So when you're on the bye week, do you guys think it be could be more beneficial for players to kind of take it easy, maybe enjoy a little bit more of the campus and and the and the nightlife, or do you think that it should be you know, kind of a more laser line focus on football. EJ, let's get your thoughts on that. I think the bye week should definitely be, there should always, football should always be on your mind as an athlete, no matter what it's going to be on your mind. But I definitely think it's, it's time to kind of be a a bit looser about things, hang out around campus, go out on the weekends, be smart. I mean, we have to assume that these guys are on the football team, they're on scholarship, that they're mature, responsible people. And they know not to go out after everything we've seen on ESPN and the news, they know not to go out and do anything stupid. So I do think they deserve a chance to enjoy themselves because I mean, there's no need for them to sit around focusing on the negatives of, of the first part of the season and beat themselves up. I think that they should be able to relax a little bit, but to a certain extent, I do think that they should use that time to, to rest, to make sure they heal up, to go get treatment, to, to watch a little bit of film. But I, I think it should be more of a mental week than a physical week. Yeah. During the bye week, I would have to agree with EJ. It's you're it's all about focusing on, you know, how you could get better. Um, it's basically like another week of training camp for the normal practice week. And then I know when we, uh, when I played, Coach Fedora kind of trusted us to where we could leave on the weekend and we didn't have anything to do on the weekend. And a lot of these guys, you know, we're, we haven't been home for a while or we're always in Chapel Hill every weekend. So for a lot of these guys, like it's our first time to where we could go home or we could go to a teammate's home. And it's all about just, you know, spending more time with your teammates, spending time with family, if you could get a chance to see them and just kind of taking your mind away from, you know, the, the grind of football. But at the same time, like EJ was saying, you have to stay conscious. You have to stay on top of your playbook. Um, If there's anything you don't know, it's, it's a good time to clean all those mistakes up and just get with a coach, you know, ask him where, where you can improve still. Um, If you have any questions about any assignments that you might've missed in a game, it's a good chance to clean up all those mistakes before you get back to Chapel Hill on either Sunday or Monday and, you know, you start focusing on the next opponent. So it's a good week to kind of uh, take a take a little mental break from the grind. 
All right. And what do you guys think about the timing of bye weeks? Do you guys think that it's more beneficial to have a bye week earlier in, in the season or later on? And specifically about an early bye week, do you guys think that that could be a, even a little bit disruptive? Because given the Tar Heel schedule due to the cancellation of the UCF game, do you think that having that sort of breaking up, could that make it difficult for the team to even get into a rhythm? Taylor, let's start with you. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways you could kind of approach a, uh, a bye week. I think for this team, they want to get back out on the field because of the performances that they've had, especially in the ECU game and the Miami game. And football is a sport where, you know, you like to get in the rhythm. You like to have uh, a routine. And just right now they're going, they're stopping and starting, stopping and starting. And I just think this team can't get into rhythm right now, but thinking back to some of the teams that I played for when we had buys later in the season and, you know, we were winning it, it, you didn't want to stop playing. But then at the same time, when, we were winning and a bye was coming up. Maybe we had a lot of injuries or maybe we were coming off the Georgia tech game where you were like, okay, we do need a buy to get some of these bodies back. So it just depends how healthy your team is, um, how well your team is playing. Like if you're playing well and you know, guys are staying fairly healthy, you just want to keep playing every week. But once guys start going down and you're looking around the room and there's more people in the training room than there is in the locker room, then you're like, okay, yeah, we could probably use a bye week right now. And then what about like an early bye week as opposed to later on? Which one did you personally prefer when you were playing Taylor? I think a, a later bye week just because, you know, the injuries are going to start to kind of pile up the later the season goes on. Um, early on in the season, you still have these kind of fresh legs um, from not having too many practices. But once the practices start to, uh, start piling up and you know the lifts you have like three four lifts a week once those start adding up i think you're looking for more of a break, uh a bye week towards the end of the season where you know you take one week off and then you have three four games maybe to kind of give it your all to try to get to a bowl game all right and then ej what about you man when you were playing you know did you like to have that bye week earlier did you like to have it a little bit later and then how do you think the broken up of the season so far that the Heels have had to go through, do you think that that could be disruptive to them getting into a rhythm? I think personally I would prefer to have the the bye week probably after about game four or five. I think that that gives the – one, it gives the coaching staff a chance to fairly assess where the team is so far and make any major adjustments that they need to make. And I also think that – that I think that's a good point, like like Taylor was saying, that you want the bye week later on, a little bit later, so just to take care of any injuries, to get any people back on the field. But I don't think you, that you that you want to have it too late because at the end of the season, that's when you're playing most of your conference games. That's when you really, really want to hit your stride and get in rhythm. And I think if you have the bye week after the fourth or fifth game, I think that you can assess making the adjustments and kind of really find out who you're going to be for the rest of the season. Uh, as far as this year's uh, team, I I don't think for this team that having the two games and then the bye week and another two games and being off again, I, I don't think it's good for this team. Uh, they definitely uh, need to to get into a rhythm. They need to, to to find a pace, a tempo on offense. They need to find someone 
who can take care of the ball on offense and uh, just be more efficient as a whole. But I don't think they're going to do that by practicing, practicing against themselves and practicing against scout teams. They need to go out there and get live action, get some more experience and try to maybe gel and, and get something together this year. But I do think I think that after that uh, unofficial bye week because of the hurricane, it's almost like they started uh, back from from point zero, and it's like they're they may. I just hope they don't do the same thing uh, after this bye week. Let's start talking about Virginia Tech, and this is for both of your uh, both of you guys. What are your opinions of a Bud Foster defense? Do you think that his re- reputation is legit? Or do you think that there's a little bit of hype involved there? And actually, I'm very interested to hear you know y'all's opinions. One coming at it from Taylor, you being the wide receiver, EJ, you being defensive lineman. So EJ, let's actually do start with you for this one. Give us your thoughts on Bud Foster, kind of overall. Overall, I I don't think he's overrated at all. There's a reason that he's been there for so long. There's a reason he was held on after Frank Beamer left. There's a reason that he pretty much owns the town town of Blacksburg. I'm not going to say he's X's, his X's and O's are, are above or supreme, that much supreme to anyone else's. But what he is is a good motivate, motivator of people. He gets those players behind him and those players back him and will do anything for him. And he's a great recruiter. I mean, he's found a hotbed out uh, in the Tidewater area here in Virginia, and he's kind of just keep pulling, pulling talent from there. And then you'll he's actually started to come into North Carolina, and then he gets some kids from Northern Virginia and Maryland. So I think that the reasons why his defenses are so good is because he he gets close with these players and they really buy in. I think that if you have great athletes buying into a system, I, I think that is going to work. So I, I don't think that he's overrated at all. I, I think that there's, there's something to that. I mean, he, he's been consistent over, over decades now. So I, I think there's something to that. All right. Then Taylor, what about you coming at it from the wide receiver position? Did you notice anything schematically that Bud Foster's defense did that was maybe a, a level above what you guys saw from a normal defense. Yeah, Bud Foster, the hype around him is legit. From a wide receiver perspective, he likes to play man coverage. So going into that week, that was a week that we always circled because we always knew we were going to get one-on-one matchups and it was up to us to beat the corners. Um, his He trusts his corners to make plays and you know leave leave those guys on islands. And the whole team buys into his defensive um, his scheme, like EJ was saying. And he gets those guys playing at 110% every, every day, every week. They believe in where they're supposed to be on the field. I think that's one of the problems right now that you see with North Carolina, where they're just out of position because – and the coaches are trying to put them in the right position, but, you know, they're they're trying to do their own thing and make a play here or there. Whereas Virginia Tech, their defensive players, they trust that where Bud Foster's telling them to be, that he's putting them, you know, in the best position to win. And I think another thing that Bud Foster does really well is you could look at the film and, you know, you could prepare for his his defense and you could go in thinking you know what he's going to do. And then he could pull something out of his bag where it's something you did not prepare for at all. So now you're on the sideline trying to make adjustments on something your team hasn't really practiced or really hasn't seen from Virginia Tech watching them. So it's it's always a guessing game, which what system, I mean, not what system, but what, uh, what schemes and um, what kind of stunts he's going to pull on his defense. 
All right, guys, let's talk real quick about our friends at HeelsTravel.com. They are the easiest way to book travel for big UNC away basketball and football games. Right now, Heels Travel is offering packages to when the Heels basketball team heads out to Las Vegas for a three-night stay and two games there, and then also a package for the two-night stay in Chicago for when UNC faces off against Kentucky. And also, they are starting to offer packages for hotel accommodations for the ACC tournament in Charlotte. To get the information on all of those packages, head over to HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book. Now, that trip to Las Vegas includes round-trip airfare from the RDU airport, round-trip transportation from the airport to the hotel, and a three-night stay at the RU Resort and Casino. The trip to Chicago will feature two of the best teams in the nation squaring off, and it takes place on December 22nd. It's going to be an awesome trip in a great city. So visit HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book your trip. So guys, let's keep with the Virginia Tech theme here. And did either of you get the sense that the VT program kind of viewed UNC in a specific light? Did you ever get the sense that there was added animosity towards UNC or... Do you think that Virginia Tech kind of just viewed Carolina as just another ACC game? EJ, let's hear from you first for this one. No, I don't think there was any animosity or anything. I mean, it was there was definitely respect there. Uh, so, but I don't think that they looked at it as just another uh, another ACC game. Uh, as uh, I had the pleasure of being uh, teammates with Cam Chancellor for a season, and he all he just talked to, to me about how much he respected our team. He talked about playing against TJ and how kind of how he really was underrated as a, as a, a player he thought so i definitely know that they were they respect us and they didn't just kind of overlook at us like okay this is another game on our schedule that we have to go win because i mean we usually play them uh pretty tough and had to, uh, the opportunity to get a win over them so um but i definitely don't think that there's any animosity there i've always uh enjoyed the games and enjoyed the atmosphere both in chapel hill and in blacksburg when playing against virginia tech Taylor, your perspective, I'm curious if it's a little bit different because while you were there, I think there was a little bit possibly that extra edge given that you know Virginia Tech was very rumored to be involved in the NCAA issues. And EJ, you experienced those too, but you know, Taylor, you were kind of there towards the end of it where there was kind of that light at the end of the tunnel. So what's your perspective on how Virginia Tech viewed UNC and you know if there was any extra animosity between the players? Early on, I don't think there was any added animosity, um, Virginia Tech towards UNC. But recently, I would say that's kind of kind of ramped up the uh, past two years since uh, Fuente's been there. Uh, I've talked to, I'm friends with some people that played for Virginia Tech, know some people like around that program, and they kind of say that Coach Fuente, like the one team on the schedule every year that he does not like is North Carolina. And I think huh. it's because he realizes, you know, how, how much of a challenge North Carolina is for him in recruiting. And I think this is a game that he circles on his calendar every year. And he's like instilling it in his players, like to, to like hate Carolina blue and hate North Carolina. And I think you've kind of seen that the past two years, in the combined scores, I think it's been like 93 to 10. Now, obviously you have like the hurricane and uh, a lot of injuries last year, but this, this will be a, kind of like a telling game, how his team responds to uh, losing to Notre Dame and then coming on the road to North Carolina. But from 
a player perspective when we were at um, North Carolina, the first couple of years, it was just another conference game. Yeah, we always knew Virginia Tech was going to be one of those teams in the Coastal along with uh, Miami. And uh, Miami and Virginia Tech, those were the two that you could always count on towards being towards the top of the Coastal with schools like Georgia Tech and Duke kind of fluctuating year to year. But the last year that I was there was uh, Beamer's last game in Blacksburg. So that kind of added it. Um, added some oomph to the rivalry of UNC Virginia tech. And once we were going down to Blacksburg and saw their crowd and how loud they were in lane stadium, we were like, okay, we're not, we're not leaving here without a win, especially because we knew our main goal for that team was to be coastal champions and go to the ACC championship. We knew all we had to do was just win that game. And Virginia Tech gave us a, a great fight in that game, but ultimately came out with the win in overtime. EJ, what about you being from Virginia, man? Did the Virginia Tech game mean more to the players from that area? Cause, because you know, UNC does place a priority on recruiting that kind of Tidewater area. There's a good number of guys on the, on the, uh, on the roster even today from there. Between Virginia and Virginia Tech, which one did you personally get more amped up for, and which ones do you think the team got more ready for? Well, this one's actually an interesting case for me because uh, as a player, uh, definitely Virginia Tech. Uh, and being from Virginia and the players from Virginia, we definitely placed a – we always circle that one on the schedule because, I mean, in Virginia, Virginia Tech is the, the creme de la creme of football. Like, people here live, breathe, and and die about Hokie football. There, I mean, when you're doing business, more than likely you're going to be dealing with uh, someone who went to Virginia Tech. So, I mean, it's like everywhere you turn, it's Virginia Tech this, Virginia Tech that. So, it was always kind of, it always, we always kind of wanted to beat Virginia Tech just so we could go home and talk a little trash. Um, but for me personally, um, it probably was uh, the UVA game. I probably was a little bit more personally connected there. Uh, two of my good friends that I grew up with actually played uh played on the team uh, at UVA. Bryant Stith, I went to his high school. He's one of my mentors, so I was constantly uh, up at UVA. So that game always meant a lot to me, even though I didn't get the chance to beat them. But um, I would definitely say, um, as a whole, the team definitely looked forward to Virginia Tech more because usually Virginia Tech was was sitting at the top of the ACC. They usually were ranked, and it's usually uh, a good sign if you're able to beat a team of that caliber. I think that no matter where they were in the rankings, they were always a good, solid team, and they were always going to play you tough. So that was definitely uh, one of the games that we as a whole on the team look forward to. All right, let's talk about motivation, guys, because the heels right now, it's fair to say that after that blowout loss against Miami, spirits could be a little bit low. So at this point in the season, after you know being blown out against Miami, blown out against uh, ECU, you lose a tough game on the road at Cal, but then you do have that home win against Pittsburgh. How do you think that the players can keep their motivation up at this point in the season to continue to work hard and improve themselves every practice? And then the second part of that question is, if the Heels do suffer another blowout defeat to Virginia Tech, do you think that the motivation for the rest of the season could take a serious hit? So, Taylor, let's get your opinion on that first. Yeah, I've talked about this a couple times with the motivation factor. You just have to find your why, like why you're playing football. Um, 
whether it's financial reasons, whether it's, you know, you're here to get a great education at the same time, um, whether you're trying to get your family out of like a bad area, you know, there's a bunch of reasons why these guys are playing football and that helps motivate you throughout the season when times get tough. And then you also have to think these guys have been, you know, putting in the time since last season ended. So since January, basically four or five times, maybe six times a week. And you, all that work goes into playing these games. So you're all, you always should be able to get up for these games, but yeah, losing, losing hurts. And, you know, once the losses start piling it up and it feels like nothing's going your way, it, it definitely gets in your head, especially, you know, when you're walking around and, you know, once the football team loses a game, it's like people don't know who you are in Chapel Hill or, you know, they're, they're more hostile towards you. But when you win a game, it's like you're walking around campus like a rock star. So there's a bunch of highs and lows of playing college football, especially at North Carolina. And this team is going through a lot of lows right now. So I do feel like another another blowout against Virginia Tech um, could definitely hurt that motivation. But at the end of the day, you just have to kind of stay together as a team. Remember why you're playing this game and going out and having fun with uh, these guys who, you know, who your family, they're your brothers. Because you think that you have a lot more time playing football until, you know, until you go down with the season ending injury or until you it feels like you blink and you're at the last game of the season already and you're a senior and you may never play football again. So it gets tough when you're losing games, but you just have to remember your why, why you're playing football and kind of uh, rally around your brothers on the team. All right, let's hear your answer, EJ. And I'm assuming that you know you can kind of think back to your freshman year at Carolina because I think that was record-wise the worst um, season while you were in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I think actually in 2006 and 2007, I think we were three and nine. I think both seasons, but we definitely lost and we they, we didn't lose those games in a similar fashion in 2007 the way we lost them. Uh, in 2006 so I definitely think it could definitely be it could be a kick in the morale uh the guys could they could hang their heads and they could be down about it uh if they get blown out again uh but you got to remember the fact that it's not easy to be a division one college athlete you have to have a certain level of mental toughness uh integrity and character and just confidence about yourself that you know that no matter what's happening, you still get another chance to go out there and play the game that you love. You still have a certain a certain competitiveness to say, hey, I will go get the next one. And, and you want to break that streak. You want to strive for that something and chase what what's going to make you feel good. And, and what's going to make you feel good is a victory. Like Taylor said, these guys have been in training camp. They They paid the price to be on this field and to be where they are. No matter what has happened uh, in previous games, no matter what happens in the next game, I still think these guys will be pumped up to go out and play. I, I know I was back when we were struggling. And so I, I think these guys will too. I think that just the fact that they're athletes and they made it this far, I think that's enough to to give me confidence that even if they do get blown out again, they'll still be able to bounce back and they won't just kind of throw this season away. Uh, they may not go, they're not going to go to a bowl game. Uh, if, if, if they get blown out again. Uh, but I definitely still think that they have something to play for. All right, guys. So to start wrapping this up, 
Uh, let's talk about the quarterback position just very briefly. I mean, we've touched on this basically every week, but with the news that just broke, and I don't know if y'all saw this, but apparently Chas Surratt is now done for the season with with a wrist injury, and he's going to have surgery. So given that, you know, Taylor, you even put out the story that Virginia Tech could be in another chance for Chaz to really redeem himself. What do you think is next for, for Coach Fedora and the team? Do you think that they will go ahead and turn over to a freshman, or do you think we may see Nathan Elliott try to take on that Bud Foster-led defense? Taylor, because you did have that story out, let's hear from you first, buddy. Yeah, nobody from the team has kind of said anything yet, which is kind of strange if it is a season ending injury that's something that coach Fedora would talk about so still kind of waiting to see that and hear all the details about that but if Chasserat can't go against Virginia Tech then I think that coach Fedora would go to Nathan Elliott because he has game experience and you don't want to throw one of these freshmen out against a Bud Foster led defense if you know they have no preparation and you know what you what fans have seen from Nathan Elliott might not be good it could only get worse if, you know, if these coaches truly feel like these freshmen aren't prepared. Like if you think the Nathan Elliott bar is low right now, like there's still potential for the bar to go even lower if these coaches don't have the trust to put these kids in the game. All right, DJ, what's your take, man? Uh, I definitely think uh, for the fact Nathan Elliott, like uh, Taylor said, has game experience. I think against this defense and in this game and uh, and on this big stage, I do think that you go with Nathan Elliott. But um, I do think it's time to start getting one of those freshmen, uh, freshmen some game experience. Uh, I still think that you should probably wait until where they still can keep their red shirt because – like we we don't know if Coach Fedora is going to be there next season, so he could either he doesn't want to burn a red shirt. I don't believe that he should burn the kids. He should get the kids some playing time, but I don't think he should burn his red shirt if you know that there's going to be a, a coaching change at the end of the season. But um, I think Nathan Elliott honestly gives us the best chance to win, and that's just only because I haven't seen uh, the other kids play. I haven't seen any game film on them. I only know what I've seen of Nathan Elliott and even though it hasn't been pretty uh, without any other option or any other proven guy right now, I'm not saying that Nathan Elliott, he's a a proven guy, but he's the only one we've seen play. I don't, I wouldn't have the confidence to, to see, uh, see a freshman in there playing against this defense uh, Saturday night. I can't think of like one time when I was playing that everybody on the team was like, you know, this guy should be playing. And instead, somebody else was playing like maybe an individual felt that they should have been playing over somebody. But normally the team has a good sense of who the best person is and the coaches could feel that. And if the coaches are saying that Nathan Elliott gives them the best chance to win, even if he's not going out there and performing great, I think that's something that the team can kind of see, too, where they're going to put the best person out there, because if you're not putting the best person out there, that's the quickest way to kind of lose the team so it's something where if the coaches are saying that Nathan Elliott's the gives you the best chance to win I kind of trust that yeah I I think that's a very good point because the coaches are seeing these guys in practice more than anybody else and the other players are also seeing it as well and you know talking about coaching staffs how much influence do you guys think the strength and conditioning coach has on the football team EJ, I think we actually discussed this over the offseason with the podcast with between you and Mike Ingersoll. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your answer at that time was that the S&C coach is basically 
like one of the top most important guys on the entire team. Is that still your your viewpoint now? I would say in my experience, he was because he's the person that's spending the most time with players on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, for in my case, we had Jeff Connors, who's one of the best strength coaches, if not the best strength coach in the country. And he'd been around a lot of winning football and he knew the recipe to get players ready. He knew players mental integrity. He knew how tough they were about their ability to be able to make it through his workout. He knew how dependable they were by showing up, by us showing up and working hard every day. He knew if we'd be guys that, you know, who had high character because we'd be the ones that would be on time always be ready with no excuses. Not saying that you were a guy that could go in there and lift the weight room, but you were there, you were accountable and, and you gave it your best. So I think that that's really the insight. If, if a, if a coach gets a coach can be confident in what a guy sees and what he sees in a guy in practice. But I think that strength coach is going to have that final stamp of approval because I think that he'll, he'll know a little bit about the uh, player's character and uh, fortitude more so than a position coach would. Yeah. I think the, uh, the strength coaches have a huge impact on the team um, thinking back to when I was when I was playing, we had Coach Lou, who everybody respected and everybody wanted to do their best in the weight room to kind of get him fired up and, you know, get him uh, really excited for when you were about to do a big lift. And then we had we had a good variety of coaches where um, we had Coach Dean, who's I think second in charge right now to Lou. I think he was he was like the third guy when I played, but he came from a military background. So he kind of had that extra discipline that he brought to the team. Um, we had AJ Blue, who, you know, he's been through everything in his football career. So you could talk to him about anything, like anything that you could want to talk to him about, like he's probably gone through it. Um, we had another coach, um, Simon, who Simon just left this past year, but Simon was a great guy because, you know, while he didn't play football, you could you could still go to him and talk to him about things that weren't football specific because of how much he cared about strength and conditioning and how much he knew about like if if you didn't want to talk football specific things but you just wanted to talk to him maybe about the nutrition side or why are we doing this lift or what am I trying to gain from this lift so those guys were always uh such a great resource and we spent so much time with them and seeing like the progression for your body like I came in there like I I just finished running track and I think I was like 150 pounds and in like a year and a half I was like up 20 pounds um I looked significantly better um even though I was five foot nine I, I looked a lot tougher and uh I felt the physical strength so it was always the case of like if you're putting in the work and you know, you're trusting what these guys are telling you. The The results were going to speak for themselves on the field. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get some predictions from y'all before we wrap this one up. So night game in Chapel Hill. I think the latest spreads I've seen is that Virginia Tech is favored by about a touchdown. Their season's been up and down as well this year. They lost to Notre Dame last week in what was kind of a very physical game. Uh, their quarterback, Jackson, we don't know if he's going to be 100% this Saturday. And they also had that big upset. So I guess the question is, is Carolina a better football program than ODU? And can they actually beat the Hokies in Chapel Hill? So, Taylor, you were talking last, so we'll go to you first for this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be more of the same of what you saw against Miami. Until Carolina shows that they have a downfield threat at quarterback, it's just hard to pick them. So right now I would say Virginia Tech 
wins, you know, 34 to 10, because I think what they do well offensively is throwing the ball Um, back to back games. The backup quarterback has thrown for over 300 yards. I think he'll test this secondary and see if the secondary is up for the challenge. And then on defense, they do a good job stopping the run and their secondary shaky, but you don't have anybody right now for Carolina who could challenge you through the air. So I think this is going to be a game where Carolina keeps it close at first because they're able to, you know, try to establish the run game. But once they start having to play from behind, I think that's where they'll uh, run into trouble and Virginia Tech kind of puts it away late. All right, EJ, let's hear from you, buddy, and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up after that. I, I think it's going to be more of the same. Like the team, uh, I, I've tried to put my confidence in this team, but they haven't shown me really any signs of improvement. It's really just been more of the same week after week. Uh, we can't stop the run, and we can't really get too much going through the passing game on offense. Even though I have been uh, encouraged by the way we've been running the ball lately, uh, like Taylor said, when we get behind, there is no running the ball. We're going to have to get the ball downfield, and we haven't shown that we could do that uh, throughout this season. Uh, so I, I do think that uh, Virginia Tech uh, will get back on track with this game, uh, unfortunately. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for talking with me tonight. We'll go ahead and call this one to an end, and we will hopefully reconvene next week after a UNC victory. I will go ahead and say, guys, I'm with y'all. You know, it, you can hope that the that the heels will pull it out, but unfortunately right now the evidence is just against them. But, hey, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. For this one, though, thank you guys very much. We'll talk again next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.